success on, in our marriage team and our family teams and our, in our church team uh, and even in our work team uh, that we're going to need things like cooperation. We need things like thankfulness. We need prayer. We need patience. We need uh, perspective. We need to make sure that our priorities are in order. We certainly need power to be able to fulfill the mission of our teams. We need to know what the purpose of our team is. But also consistent living plays a vital role in the success of all of our teams. But this week, this week, the Holy Spirit has pointed out to me one overriding theme to the success of our team. You see, friend, in order to continue enjoying victory on your team, if you want to continue to enjoy victory or to have victory, then it's absolutely necessary that from time to time you change up the game plan. Any successful team from every now and then has to change up their game plan in order to enjoy continued victory. For instance, if you want your marriage to be closer than it already is, then guess what? Something's got to change. If you want your family to get stronger than it already is, guess what? Something's got to change. If you want our church team to become more effective in changing the world around us, then something's got to change within its members. If we want our work team to be more successful, then, friend, we've got to make sure that our level of effort rises, that our degree of unity increases and that our focus on the goal is apparent there has got to be a change so what kind of changes would you like to see occur in your life we don't think about change much because all in all honesty we don't like change much amen but if you had to think about it and you were forced to answer yourself, everybody talks to themselves, right? How many times do you answer? Amen. Uh, if you were forced to answer yourself, what kind of changes would you like to see happen in your life? Would you like to be closer with God? Would you like to see uh, a much better relationship between husbands and wives? Would you like to see a stronger family? Would you like to be a better parent? Would you like to be healthier, wealthier, wiser? Amen? If you want those changes to occur, then there are some things we must do. How in the world do I make these changes in my life? To change, is it all up to me? To change, is it all up to God? Or is it a combination? 
Well, when it comes to the important life changes that we recognize in our life, the fact is this. God has a part, and we have a part in the changes of our life. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul uses two phrases that I believe explain it perfectly. So if you'll go with me to Philippians chapter 2, look in verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out, say work out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, For it is God who works in, say works in, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now take your finger. Amen? Show me your finger. Put it up high so I can see it. Take that finger and go down to verse 12 and put it on that phrase, work out. Amen? Work out in verse 12 is your part. Amen? Same finger. Ready? Same finger. Put it down there in verse 13 where it says works in. Works in is God's part. If we're going to change, then we must work out what God is working in. Did you get that? We must work out what God is working in. Now, I want you to notice what Paul says after he says work out. He says work out your own salvation. What does that mean? That means that God wants you to accept some responsibility for your own growth. He wants you to accept that responsibility. But then notice that how he says how to do that. He says, with fear and trembling. Does that mean that I should do it because I'm scared of God? Because I'm afraid of the Lord? Absolutely not. It's just that God wants you to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. He wants you to be responsible for growing in the Lord. Can I tell you this? There is nothing on this planet that is more important than your own spiritual growth. Did you hear that? Nothing trumps that. That is the most important thing, but how often do we put it way down here on the list? Your spiritual growth should be the most important part of your life. But then notice what it says there in verse 13, for it is God who works in you. Again, that's God's part. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about that, that phrase, work in. That, that phrase, works in, is the Greek word, the original language of the Bible, energio. 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 It's where we get our English word, energy. You see, God gives the energy. Amen? He works in. He gives the energy. God is the energizer for change when it's time to change up our game plan. He is the energizer. So friend, to help us change up the game plan so we can enjoy victory, God uses 
three tools to work change in our lives. And then we find that we have three choices that we must take to work out those changes. God works in the changes, and it's our choice to work out those changes. So let's take a look at God's tools for changing up the game plan. The first tool is rather simple. God uses the Bible. Amen? How are you going to spiritually grow? If spiritual growth should be a number one priority, what should be your number one priority? Staying in this book. Amen? Paul wrote to Timothy saying, the whole Bible is given by inspiration of God, and it's useful to teach you what is right, how to stay right, how to get right, and how to stay right. All those things are found in this book. You see, the Bible changes the way we think. When you spend time in the scriptures, the Bible will change your thoughts. And in so doing, you will be changed. When your thoughts begin to change, you will begin to change. So if you want to get serious about change, get into this book. Amen? Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. But most of all, live it. Live what you find in this book. Because the more you get into God's book, the more you will be changed. What's the problem, though? We don't get in the book like we should. But there's a second tool that God uses to change up the game plan. And that tool is God uses his Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is God himself in spirit form, plain and simple. And when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, the promise of God is, is that God's Holy Spirit dwells in us and that we then have the energio. We have the energy. We have the power for change. And that's what God wants to do in your life. God wants to change you. You see, he created man in the image of God in the garden. And then something happened in the garden of Eden. What happened? Sin came in and messed up the image. He created a godly image in the garden. Sin came in and totally made a mess of that image. And God has been trying to get the image back ever since. Ever since. So, we've got to have the energio, the power for change, and that comes from the Holy Spirit of God within us. The Bible teaches this. As the Spirit of the Lord works in, there's energio again, as the Spirit of God works in us, then we become more and more like Jesus and reflect his glory even more. It's the Spirit of God that provides us the power and the ability for change. Friend, listen. God's purpose for your life is not to make you happy. Did you hear that? God's purpose for your life is not to make you happy. God's purpose for your life is to make you more like Jesus. He wants to make you more like himself. God's ultimate goal is to change you. 
and make you look more like his son. And as we employ the word of God, and as we submit to the spirit of God, then he will empower us. He will give us some energio so that we can change to be like Jesus. Unfortunately, we don't always follow what the word says, do we? Unfortunately, many of us don't submit to the Holy Spirit's leading, do we? Do we? So what does God do then? That's when God employs his third tool. Because when you don't obey the word, and when you don't submit to the Holy Spirit, then God then will use your circumstances to cause change. Amen? God uses circumstances. You know what they are. Problems. Pressures. Headaches. Difficulties. Stress. All those things, all those circumstances, always find a way to get our attention, don't they? Don't they? When the word don't work and the spirit don't work, the circumstances of our lives, boy, they'll work. Amen? But we've got to remember what the Bible says about our circumstances. Because the word says that Christians can be assured that somehow, some way, God is going to work all things together for the good. He's going to take all those circumstances and he's going to work them together for good to those who love God and who are called by his purpose. God wants us to be changed. And he will stop at nothing to cause that change in our lives. Now notice that God doesn't say that all the circumstances that we go through are good. Cancer ain't good. Amen? But it's a circumstance sometimes that we find ourselves in. And I believe that you will find more times than not that when a cancer victim comes through on the other side, that cancer victim will say, I've grown closer to God. So God used that circumstance for good. Amen? It wasn't good in and of itself, but God worked it together for good. He used that circumstance to fit it into his plan. And God's got a plan. Amen? He's got a plan. And many times, his plan involves change. So, friend, it's time for change. So if God's word doesn't work and his spirit doesn't work, then he will use circumstances. He will use circumstances. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, that says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Reading it, it begins to change how you think. It begins to change how you think about that ego problem you've got. Right? So you begin changing the way you think, and then all of a sudden, it leads you to begin praying for God's energio. Amen? For God's power to change your pride plot problem. So God has used his word, and he has used his spirit, but you decide that you're still not going to change. So what does God do? 
If we don't learn to humble ourselves from the Word of God, and if we fail to submit to the Spirit of God and humble ourselves as uh, He instructs us to, then what will He do? He will use a circumstance. Here's what He'll do. He'll make us desperate. Sadly, we rarely change until we get desperate. Sadly, we rarely change until we start to feel the heat. Amen? When you feel something hot, what's your first impulse to do? Get away from it. Amen? When we start feeling the heat, change occurs. So God might bring some heat your way if you don't listen to the word and you don't submit to his spirit. He might bring some heat your way and he might say, listen here. I want you to do something. I want you to change this prideful attitude that you've had. I want you to change. I don't want you living in a prideful rut. Because you know what a rut is, right? A rut is a grave with the ends knocked out. Amen? He doesn't want you living in a rut. And so God uses his word. He uses his spirit, and he uses our circumstances to work change in us. Okay, great. Now, what's my part? What's my part? How do I change up my game plan? What's my involvement in this? Well, we have to look at the choices we make. Because our choices for changing up the game plan are as follows. There are three of them. There are three choices that you can make that will serve as a catalyst. Amen? A seed, if you will, a catalyst for the changes you need to make. As I'm sitting here talking to you about changes, you may realize fully that there are changes you need to make to make your marriage more intimate. As we talk about changes, you may realize fully that there are some changes you need to make that will make your family stronger. There are some changes you may need to make that will make our church more effective. And there may be some changes you need to make to make your workplace, your work team, even more prosperous. But it's not going to occur unless you make the choice to change. So let's look at three, those three choices we have. First of all, we have a choice about what we think about. Amen? From time to time, we all agree that we ought to change how we think. Amen? Uh, change is a matter of choice, and I choose what I want to think about. How about you? You choose what you want to think about. Amen? They don't just come in there. See, our lives are shaped by our thoughts. Our life is shaped by how we think. Your life doesn't just direct your, I mean, your thoughts don't just direct your life. Friend, they are your life. The way you think is very important. So whatever change you want to make, it all begins with your thoughts. How and what are you thinking about? Even the Bible word for change, you know that word, repentance? It means change your mind. Change the way you think. I mean, I remember 
that when I began changing the way I thought about God, when I changed the way that I thought about Jesus Christ, his son, when I thought, or not, when I changed the way I thought about the world and about other people, then all of a sudden I began to see things differently. All because I began to, I changed my mind about how I was thinking about those things. Think about this. There is no action that you do that occurs without a thought. Everything you do has a thought behind it. And it's your choice. I mean, consider this. If you're acting depressed... It's probably because you're feeling depressed. Amen? And if you're feeling depressed, it's probably because you're thinking some depressing thoughts. It all starts with the way we think. So if you want change, I want to encourage you to choose to think about God's Word. In Psalm chapter 1, the Bible says, Blessed is the man who meditates... On God's word. I want to be a blessed man. Amen. I want to be blessed. So I, want, I choose to think about God's word. Listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians 4.8. He said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true. That means don't be thinking about the devil's deceptions and the devil's lies. Whatever things are noble. Whatever things are just. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are of good rapport. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, think Meditate on those things. Our thoughts are very important. So, the first choice that we can make to help us change up the game plan is to start thinking about God's Word. There's a second choice you need to make, and that is you can choose who you depend upon. You can choose to depend upon the Holy Spirit of God. Would you agree that every now and then we need to analyze and possibly change who we depend on? Now here's where this power, this energio comes in again. Because John 15, Jesus taught this. He said, a branch can't produce fruit by itself. I like it when Jesus gets simple with my hard head, amen? A branch can't produce fruit by itself. Amen? As branches, you've got to be connected to the vine. Who's the vine? The vine is Jesus Christ. You've got to stay connected to the vine. Uh, Jesus says, that's how we've got to be with God. You've got to stay plugged in. You've got to stay plugged in with God in order to produce fruit, in order to produce change in your life. I mean, consider this. How silly would it be for me to go and, and plant an old dead tree. And then, two weeks before harvest time, I go up to that dead tree and I tie a bunch of fruit to it, a bunch of apples to the branches. Is that stupid or what? Amen? But listen here. That's what Christians do sometimes. That's what Christians do sometimes. They tie good works onto a dead tree. They try to tie good works onto their life to make it look good 
to make it look like they've changed. But the truth is, it's a dead tree, and that fruit's going to rot on that tree. So don't be deceived. Make sure that you're plugged in. But how do I know? How do I know if I'm depending upon the Spirit of God for the changes that need to occur in my life? Well, it's easy. Amen? Just check your prayer life. Just check your prayer life. Because whatever you're praying for, that's what you depend on God for. And whatever you're not praying for, you ain't depending on God for. If you're not praying for your wife, men, that means you're not depending on the Holy Spirit of God to give you strength, energio, to change and make a difference in your marriage. If you're not praying for your church, if you're not praying for revival here, then that means you're depending on something far less, like maybe a preacher or a teacher who's going to fail you in that department. Whatever you're praying for, that's what you're depending on God for. Whatever it is you want God to bless, that's what you pray for, right? If you want God to bless your decisions, what do you do? What do you do? You pray. God, will you bless my decision? Will you guide my decision? If you want God to, to bless your feelings or to bless your relationships, if you want God to bless your paycheck, if you want God to bless your purchase, if you want God to bless your pastor, can I get a testimony on that one? Y'all better be praying for me. I need it, amen? And I don't need to depend on you to do it. I need to depend on something far, someone far stronger than any human being, amen? What about our ministry? Many ministries within our church, are we praying and depending on God to bring the success and bring the changes necessary? Friend, if you're not praying about it, that means you're not depending on God for it. That's how you'll know if you're depending on the Spirit of God. Now, there is a third choice that we can make to help us change up the game plan, and that is this. You can choose how you're going to respond to circumstances. From time to time, we need to change how we respond to the situations we find ourselves in. You see, this Christian life is not just a, a one-time event. It's an event that's followed by a lifelong process. Jesus doesn't make you like, I mean, God doesn't make you like Jesus like that. It takes a process, a lifelong process. You're born again, and then you've got to work out what God has worked in. You've got to work out your own salvation. Notice I said not work for. We don't work for our salvation. But once we believe, once we receive, then God says we can work it out. So, if you go to the gym, what are you going to the gym for? You're going to the gym because you want to get healthier. Amen? Some of you men are going to the gym because you want bigger muscles. Amen? Men? Nick? You go to the gym to use your muscles. And then the more you go to the gym, the more muscles you develop. Amen? So, 
We're called to be developing ourselves into the likeness of Jesus. We're called to be changing into the likeness of Jesus. And to do that, God's given you his word. The question is, will you read it? God's given you his Holy Spirit. The question is, will you submit to it? God has given you circumstances. But you choose how you're going to respond to them. You know, you don't choose what's going to happen to you next week. You don't choose what's going to happen to you next month or next year. You don't have that choice. But here's what you got a choice about. You have a choice about how you're going to respond, how you're going to react to those circumstances. You have a choice to respond how you're going to meet up face-to-face -face with that heat. Amen? Whether it's going to make you or whether it's going to break you. Whether it's going to make you better or whether it's going to make you bitter. You have a choice whether it be a stepping stone for change or whether it be a stumbling block to failure. You have that choice of how you're going to respond to that circumstance. You see, what really matters in your life is not what happens to you. What really happens in your life, what really matters in your life is what happens in you. Is your character being changed to be like the character of Jesus Christ? And what is character? It's something that's been proven reliable. Has your character lasted over the course of the years? Has your character passed the test, as it were? How does God produce the character of Christ in us? How does he produce the love of God, the joy of God? How does he produce peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and, and all those wonderful things? How does he produce that in our lives? I know how. Here's how he does it. When he wants to produce Christ-like character in your life, he's going to place you in the exact opposite situation. Let's say you want to learn love. The first thing God's going to do is he's going to surround you with unlovable people. When you want to learn love, the first thing he's going to do is surround you with people who desperately need love. I mean, if he surrounded you with lovable people, that'd be a piece of cake, right? Let's say you want to learn joy. Well, he may send some tragedies your way so that you'll learn that there's a difference between joy and happiness. Let's say that you want to learn peace. Man, it'd be, it'd be real peaceful just chilling on the beach in Tahiti, Right? But peace is learned in the midst of chaos. Let's say you want to learn some self-control. You know what God might do? He might move you right down the street from a Dairy Queen. Let's see what kind of self-control she's got. Amen? What does God do when we want to learn these characteristics of Jesus 
He's probably going to place you in the exact opposite situation that will cause you to change. To change up the game plan for all of our teams. God will work it in if you will work it out. God will work it in if you will work it out. He will work it in through his word, through his spirit, and through our circumstances. But you choose how you're going to work it out. You choose what you're going to think about. You choose who you're going to depend on. You're the one that chooses how you're going to respond to the circumstances you find yourself in. Today, you have an opportunity to respond. An opportunity to respond to God's gift of forgiveness for your sins. You have a choice to respond to God's gift of eternal life for your soul. And guess what his name is? Jesus. And if you can bring yourself to receive that gift of God, the promise is you can have it. And guess what? You can have all you want of it. How many of you know that, that God doesn't have favorites? Amen? But listen carefully. He does have intimates. He has those who seek after him with all their heart and soul. That hunger and thirst for him. Like a hungry person hungers for food and a thirsty person thirsts for water. He's got intimates, but he doesn't have favorites. And the Bible says that all we have to do is make a choice to believe. Make a choice to believe that Jesus died for you, that he was buried for you, and that he rose from the grave three days later for you. But that is your choice. Let me pray for you. Father, I praise you and I thank you with all my heart for the changes that you have made possible in my life. And Lord, while I'm so thankful for the changes that have been made, I fully recognize that there are countless numbers of changes that still need to be made. So Lord, I pray that no matter what tools you want to use, whether it be your word, your spirit, or my circumstances, that you would use them. And that Lord, I would be faithful to make the right choices. That I would choose who I'm going to depend on. That I would choose what I'm going to think about. And that I would choose properly how I'm going to respond to circumstances. Also that I can change into that beautiful, precious likeness of your son Jesus. Father, for the person that is ready to make that first step today. Father, I pray that you would encourage them to make a step of faith. And to publicly profess that 
They need the energio, the power of God, to be able to start making the changes in our life. Lord, it may very well be that there may be a change in a marriage that needs to occur, a change in a family that needs to occur, a change in our church that needs to occur today. Lord, perhaps there's someone here that needs to, to, to join with this fellowship and begin the changes you want to make in their lives. Lord, we give you praise because without you, we are nothing. Unless we're attached to the vine, all we are is dead fruit. So Lord, help us to be the branches that stay attached to the vine. And Lord, I pray you would continue faithfully to work the changes in our life so that our game plans are changed up for your glory alone. And Lord, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said.